What's up, y'all? This is Tiny and Kelvin Smith. Running back DeAndre Torrey. Senior receiver Michael Lawrence. Senior guard DJ Draper. And you're listening to Bruni's Breakdown Podcast, your home for North Texas sports. Hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of Bruni's Breakdown, the 24-7 sports podcast. I'm your host, Matthew Bruni. And with me is the photographer extraordinaire himself, Colin Mitchell. Photographer extraordinaire. I feel like you've used that before. I haven't because this is a big occasion. Conference USA's photographer is here I'm, in the building. There's actually two two photographers, so I'm like, no, I'm like, but you're the better one. <laughs> Damn, come on now. Whoever the other one is doesn't listen to the podcast, so that's true. You can flex on him or her, him, him. There you go. He's a nice guy. <laughs> oh, okay. His well, name's we, Roger. All right, we won't trash him. Then. I like Roger. All right, we like Roger here on the podcast. <laughs> Shout out Roger. Shout out Roger. Okay, so um, yeah, sorry. I was listening to the last podcast we did, and I said like twice that we were going to do it on the Wednesday after the Charlotte game, which was a lie. So I lied to everybody. You lied to me too. I didn't know about this. Yes. I'm very sorry to everybody out there. I woke up with that Wednesday morning and I was like, I'm ready for this podcast. And Brittany just, you know, shot, shot, basically just destroyed my dream and turned them into nightmares. I'm very sorry, everybody who had hopes for that. But I think this is a much better time to do the podcast. You know, Saturday's Saturday's games happened and now we know... Not only do we know the tournament seeds and the order and everything like that, but now we have all the superlatives, almost all the superlatives at our disposal for us to critique, to edit, to post our own. And uh, that's what we're going to be doing today. And we're also going to be talking about how North Texas can win the tournament and how they might lose the tournament. I think this is the first time we've had a layout. In that's not great... true, Colin. Every podcast okay. I have a layout right Brittany here. Brittany writes book, down on the right book, here. But how many podcasts have you just like in order said what we're going to talk about, and then we actually okay. follow that? That's that's true. Yeah, normally I it's like, don't. what should we talk about next? And then we hear your yeah. flipping pages yeah, for yeah. a second. <laughs> so but there, there's a plan. It just usually just goes around right. the plan. Sometimes. But I think today we'll be able to stick to it. Oh, it's gonna be. Anyways, good. we have to start with our 30 second recap of the Charlotte game, which feels like forever ago at this point, even Six though it was days just ago. Was it really six days ago? It's Tuesday and the game was on Wednesday, Colin. Think For some that. reason, I thought you just said, oh, Saturday's games. Okay. Saturday games happened because yeah, okay. North Texas That's, had the bye. I was in my head. Yeah. Okay. All right. Anyways, got the stopwatch up. Are you ready? No. Yes. Okay. Three, two, one. North Texas and Charlotte. North Texas was playing for basically nothing except for maybe an NCAA tournament seed while Charlotte was playing for a bye in the Conference USA tournament. Charlotte came out and... Played really well, but North Texas countered and actually took a lead, and I thought North Texas was going to hold on, but North Charlotte comes back, uh, shoots the ball very well, and locks up North Texas. They hedged a lot of screens. They doubled the post. They gave had a lot of problems. Uh, Jordan Shepard finished with 18. Javion Hamlet had 16 points. North Texas shot 4 of 19 from 3 in their worst shooting game of the season. Oh, that was 31 seconds. I'm sorry. Yeah, that was way too too long. I can't. That's um, that's unacceptable. I'm sorry. <laughs> but yeah, no, it was this. It was North Texas' second worst shooting game of the season, Colin. Mm-hmm. I think the first was Arkansas. If I'm not mistaken. I think that yes. was number one. But this was. I think they shot 31 percent or something like that. For yeah, 31.3 percent for the game. Astounding number. Just an astounding number. And um, I mean, you said before. You said you know it's not even worth talking about. And I feel like a lot of people are gonna approach this game with that mindset, like you know, oh whatever, it's a throwaway game. It doesn't matter. Even though, and to an extent, I agree. Even though the players and coaches said, you know, we came out, we wanted to win the game. Obviously, right. they wanted to win the game because you know, Javion played 29 minutes, Mo 28, Zach 26, Dang 28, Reese 34. Um, so their their guys played, but they definitely played more than what I thought they were gonna play. 
Because if you remember, I listened, like I said, I listened to the last podcast and I said 25 for everybody. Get Jalen minutes, get Maya minutes, get Rose, DJ minutes. And Rose and DJ both had 15 minutes roughly. So they did that. But Maya and Jalen zero minutes. So they were playing to win the game. But are you, were they actually playing to win the game? I feel like Javion was playing to win the game. Javion was locked in. Everyone else, eh. See, I agree. Like, like you could just tell that it was like just going through the motions almost. It kind of felt like, and then Javion was like, "Okay, well, I don't know what's happening, but we need to score, so let me do something real quick." Here's a question, though, because while I do think that maybe motivation was obviously in favor of Charlotte, we saw how good Charlotte has been against North Texas and Denton, mm-hmm. against Western Kentucky, in Kentucky. We've seen them stretch, have multiple games where they are. Definitely a top four team in Conference USA, and they can compete with anybody in Conference USA. Playing that team with any motivation on the road, I feel like even if North Texas played them on the road in, let's say, their fourth game in the conference play, it's a really hard game to win. Oh, no, for sure. It's a tough win. It's a tough game to play, but you're not going to win that game the way they played. Of course. I mean, Charlotte, you could tell, obviously, wanted to win that game way more than North Texas. Yeah. Um, Did that bother you at all? Not really, because it kind of happens in all levels of sports when there's nothing to play for. Mm-hmm. I mean, no, I agree. You rest players. I mean, see, but they didn't rest players. That's that's why it's kind of. I mean, yeah, but in college, do you ever really rest players? No, 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 I mean, like, the, it always comes back to the to where I know no one cares about Pistons references, but in 2015, whenever the Cavs and Pistons played in the first round of the playoffs, they also played the last game of the season, and they just played literally 15 through eight Who on the bench. Both, both the Pistons both and the Cavs. Uh-huh. So, like, it was like Jordan McRae hit, like, 29 points. Mm-hmm. And it's like, no one cares. No one cared who won. Seeds were already locked in. Yeah. And I think that's kind of this. Although they didn't rest anybody, you could just kind of tell that they knew that this game didn't matter as yeah. much. I do think it's... And I do think a loss helps them in preparation. I just actually... I wrote a story about this before I came over here. But it allowed them to see another team that defended them like Western Kentucky did. Mm-hmm. Um, and they might play Charlotte in the in the semifinals of the conference tournament. But they were blitzing screens. They were doubling the post. They were being super aggressive. And they were aggressive last time. I talked to Grant, Coach McCaslin, about this um, today as well. And he said, you know, they did it last time too. But last time, there were a little more wrinkles. He basically said they played a little more simple, a little more fundamental. Um, and... When that happens, then you're just kind of like one-dimensional in a sense. Mm-hmm. And so I don't think he was saving stuff for the tournament, but it, there was no point in instilling stuff just for this game maybe. Right. Right? Like yeah. when you play Charlotte, there's no point in overhauling something that is fundamental to your team just because you're playing Charlotte now. Whereas you can overhaul it and prepare for them more so before you play them in the tournament. Mm-hmm. So maybe there is a little bit of gamesmanship there as well, but... Like I said, I do think they tried to win the game. I just don't think they shot well enough, and I don't think that they had um, the motivation to match Charlotte. And sure. Charlotte's a good team, like for said, sure, absolutely. So. Um, are there any real concerns from that game that that you'd want to take away? Because I have at least one. The only possible thing for me would be the three point shooting. I think. Okay. Yeah. I think so. My, my mine is that, but it's. DJ specifically. Okay, yes, D- DJ. We can get into that in a second. But yeah, the last. So here's the last. Let me find the three point shooting. Um, okay, right here. 
So their three-point shooting, they went 4 of 22 against Louisiana Tech. They went 9 of 16 against FIU, 5 of 21 against Western, and 4 of 19 against Charlotte. Those are the last four games. All of those except FIU are not good. Those are very bad. (laughs) And and before we chalked it up to kind of having the expectation, or not the expectation, the pressure shots, whereas Charlotte didn't have any pressure and they still didn't hit shots. Yeah, that it's interesting to me, and that's I think that's one thing to definitely watch for. Go, moving forward is pressure threes. Mm-hmm. It's going to keep being a thing. Is you have to make threes in these games, and you have to shoot better than four of nineteen. You have to shoot better than five of twenty one. I'm pretty sure I said, I don't remember what I said. Uh, oh, against before the Western Kentucky game, I said you know they'll at least shoot seven of twenty one. Well, they shot five of twenty one, and they almost lost because of it. You have to hit those extra shots. You can't shoot sub thirty percent. Right, if Tavion Hollingsworth makes those two free throws, those two threes. Yeah, make, you forcing can't, it overtime. You can't shoot sub thirty percent from three and win, and expect to win a game in the tournament. Absolutely, like, at all. Yeah, at all. In any, <laughs> yeah. in any game, really. But I mean, especially in these tough games mm-hmm. against these good teams. So yeah, that that that's probably mine. Biggest takeaway. You said DJ. Yeah, I mean, he had looks and he shot and one of six, I think. Yeah, it was something like it. that. Let me find it. And it's they weren't close misses like he normally has. You know, he'll have it to where it kind of rims out, or if it's just it's just a little. Uh, to the left or right, but these were like long or short or you know bricks <laughs> on the back iron. So it's it's concerning to me because DJ, you need to have him hit big shots in the tournament. Like now is his time to show up. I agree. Um, like I said, he went one for six. If you look at his last, let's see, six games, he's played probably an average of just off the top of my head, probably an average of about twelve minutes or so, which we like. We like him playing 12 to 15 minutes or so. That's really good. But he's shot 1 of 3, 0 of 1, 0 of 1, 0 for 0, 0 for 1, and 1 for 6 in his last 6 games. Like you said, I don't mind 6 attempts. I love 6 attempts. 14 Absolutely. minutes, 6 attempts, I'm perfectly fine with it. And a lot of them were good looks too. Mm-hmm. But he has to go at least 2 of 6, probably 3 of 6 on those looks. Because we know he doesn't take contested 3, so that probably needs to be 3 of 6. And he's a season... For the entire season, he's about 50% from three. So those need to be three of six. So um, he is, in a lot of ways, an indicator of their offense. Him and James Reese, their three-point shooting is kind of an indicator of the offense's fluidity and how they're getting penetration to kickouts because those two move really well off the ball and know exactly where to be. Mm-hmm. And DJ not hitting threes. And then what did J- Reese shoot against? Let me find it. Against um, Charlotte. Like three of eight. He went... No, that was against against Western. Okay. So, I mean, here's another one. I mean, James Reese, 1 of 4, 1 of 5, 2 of 5, 1 of 7, 0 of 2. That's his last five games. That's wild. No, it is. It is. And it's very interesting to see because they were at like 41% as a team going into the last like four or five games of the season. Yeah, from we, three. we thought they were hitting their stride. And now they're at 38% from mm-hmm. three, which is still number one in conference, but it's... You know, it's not it's not as commanding. It's a different it's a different uh it's a different tier. Especially when your offense shooting. relies so much on the three. Yes. Yeah. And um so that's probably our biggest concern right now. Uh re- offensive rebounding I always think is um an important note for this team just because of their personnel and their defense. Uh, but other than that, I think I can't complain too much about everything else. Um no, I mean turnovers are yeah. I think it's what we expected outside of the three point shooting. Yeah. All right, Colin, that's all we had for the Charlotte game. Let's get into our Conference USA segment, which is basically this entire podcast. This in base this entire podcast is just a big Conference USA, a chance for us to critique it and a chance for us to revise 
everything. Revise. That, that's what we'll use. Not that's what we'll Let, use. Let's use make it correct. Exactly. There you go. <laughs> so even though we have discrepancies ourselves in our own, of we, course. I mean, we haven't. So we did both of ours separately. Both of ours uh, superlatives. This is our our, our conference USA teams. Our by all the way, conference and our teams, and then we'll do our bracket afterwards. Yeah. So first, let's go through conference USA's official stuff. Do you want to do awards or superlatives first? Or oh, sorry, I'll just go first. through superlatives first. We'll go okay. through we'll go through superlatives first. So we'll read off conference USA's. Yep. Then we'll go to ours. Yep. And then we'll go from there. So conference USA superlatives. Um, let's start off with freshman of the year. We are not doing a freshman of the year, but I think this is pretty obvious. I think um, conference USA got this right. Jameer Young from Charlotte. Mm-hmm. Arguably Charlotte's best player, and they are the number four seed. One freshman of the year. I have no problem with that. Good for Conference USA. Got that right. Newcomer of the year. Conference USA. We're not doing that, but I think Conference USA got this right. Javion Hamlet. Newcomer of the year. There were a lot of candidates for it, but I kind of I talked to someone. I was like, so can Javion win Newcomer of the year and Player of the year? Because I didn't know. And they're like, yeah, they can just. I'm pretty sure Bassey did. Did he not? Work. Probably. I don't know. Or is freshman of the year and defensive player of the year. See, but they don't like have that. Oh yeah, they do have freshman of the year. Yeah. So he so he can win both. Mm-hmm. So he already he's won newcomer of the year. No problem with that. Great job. Now here, the last two that were announced today, tomorrow on Wednesday will be announced the player of the year and coach of the year. We have our own predictions on those. But here we have our own predictions for sixth man of the year and defense player of the year. So Conference USA gave it to Caleb Ledeau from Louisiana Tech. Averages let me get it up. Averages 11.2 points per game, 22 minutes, 46% from the field, um, and 38% from three in conference play. Should we go Should we go to us now or should we go to that? Should defense player of the year? We could do defense okay, player yeah. of the year. Yeah, so conference USA has defensive player of the year, Osasamwin Osagai. Last year, I remember we couldn't pronounce his name. This year, I just perfect, that perfectly. Was, that was actually great. <laughs> I perfectly <laughs> perfect. pronounced his name. So... Osasamwin Osagai wins Defensive Player of the Year. Shout out to him and Lido for winning those awards. Now let's get into our own variations of them. Colin, I will go first? Yeah. Okay, yeah. I will go first. Sixth Man of the Year. Now I know North Texas fans are clamoring for Thomas Bell. And this was a very tough decision between Thomas Bell and Caleb Lido. And I went with Caleb Lido. Which might seem sacrilegious to people, but I mean, Caleb Ledeau, not only did he win a Conference USA Player of the Week um, last week, but he's just been like a consistent force for Louisiana Tech. And I feel like Louisiana Tech needed him in a lot of ways, his scoring off the bench. And he's been ultra efficient, 46.4% from the field, 38.3% from three, 11.2 points. I just feel like he's what that team needed and he's produced time so and time again you're basically just saying he's more valuable to the yes team to louisiana tech than thomas's to see that sounds crazy well, i don't want to well, i don't want to say it like no that. i mean it, it makes sense but like they it, need it, him in, to, co- in context it makes sense so like he's he was their second leading scorer in right okay yeah so so yeah they relied on him to score hit shots yes whereas thomas is more so the we guy to do the dirty work defense, the glue yeah, guy type exactly. of guy so who's your sixth man of the year? Well, I had Thomas Bell, but you kind of convinced me the other way. But I had Thomas Bell. Just stick with Thomas. So, Bell. so I mean, guns, I mean, we 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 all know he he. You can't he really go re- wrong. Yeah, I mean, it's it's a toss up almost, but I understand why uh, 
Caleb won it. Now, defensive play of the year, I went with Osasamwen Osagai, 3.1 blocks per game in 18 games. Anything to add to it? No. (laughs) (laughs) That's all you need to win defensive player of the year. Yeah, no, he's great. He's great. He had like double the second place blocks per game. That's all you need to win defensive player of the year. (laughs) Nothing else. There you go. Okay. Now, what we have left is... Coach of the year and player of the year. So let's do coach of the year first. Who do you have for coach of the year, Colin? Grant. Because he's a one seed. Yeah, but everyone knows. Grant, he's a one seed. This team was not expected to be one seed. I I forgot it was nine seventh, Seven seed. Yeah, he's completely overhauled. He overhauled a roster and made it the one seed in, in a season. There's not much more you can you can ask. Yeah, I have Graham McCaslin as well. Um, like I said before on previous podcast, Stansbury's interesting because he lost Bassey. Um, I think that the Charlotte coach is up for contention as well. I think both of those are fine candidates, but usually it goes to whoever has the best season. Like whoever, whoever, like if there's a debate between Graham McCaslin and the Charlotte coach, it's going to go to Graham McCaslin because he won the conference. Well, a few years ago, the UTSA coach won it as like a six seed. No, for sure. But the one seed probably won. Right. Was expected to win the conference. Right. Like if it's I mean, a it was, situation it was middle where, at that time. Yeah. If it's a situation where both exceed expectations, it's going to go to whoever got the better record. So, yeah, I have Graham McCaslin. Now, player of the year, Colin. This was a highly debated topic on multiple podcasts of ours uh, on Twitter. There's a lot of candidates. Javon Jackson, Tavion Hollingsworth, Daquan Bracey. Um, yeah, that's pretty much it. And if it's, if it's anybody other than Javion, I'm rioting. If, it, if, if Javon Jackson, who I don't care if he averages, he could average 31 points a game. His team sucks. Okay? There you go. Javion's the leader of the best team in the conference. What do you want from him? He doesn't need to score 31 points to do that. There so, Javion Hamlet. There you go. Javion Hamlet is also my player of the year. I thought this was going to be a more difficult choice before they actually won the conference. And after they won the conference, then I was like, all right, what's kind of obvious at this point? And then Javon Jackson and say fell off a cliff, and now they're 7-11. I'm not giving it to a 7-1 team over a 14-1 team. Of I'm course not. not. So Javon Hamlet, just a quick rundown of his stats. We'll go through them on the first team as well. 17.9 points per game, 5.3 assists. These are all conference stats, by the way. Everything I say on this podcast will be conference stats. Javon Hamlet, 17.9 points per game, 5.3 assists, 53% from the field, 40.5% from three. 88% from the free throw line in 18 games. The man is a monster. The Memphis Menace, player of the year. Shout out, Javion Hamlet. Now, let's read off Conference USA's first team all-conference. Let me scroll down and find it. Here it is. Okay. You have yours up? Yes. All right. So, Conference USA's version of this, and I don't want people to get confused because I know this can be confusing in an audio version of this, but Conference USA's version or Conference USA's official all conference first team is Daquan Bracey, Javion Hamlet, Bryson Williams from UTEP, from UTEP, Javon Jackson, and Tavion Hollingsworth. Those are the five. That's exactly who I had as my five. Really? Who oh okay, you had different. Okay, yeah. okay. Let me go let me go through my reasoning, I guess. Javion Hamlet, obviously player of the year. Javon Jackson I think it's a no-brainer. He averaged 27. I only have one difference, by the way. Okay, okay. Yeah. 27.9 points per game, 36 and a half minutes per game, 42% from the field, still 38% from three in conference play, Javon Jackson. That's incredible. Um, Tavion Hollingsworth, 18.6 points per game, 46.3% from the field. Daquan Bracey, 13.2 points, 38% from three. And then Bryson Williams, 
16.4 points, 7.7 rebound, 7 .7 rebounds, 46% from the field, and led the team in steals and blocks. I will say Bryson Williams, I was looking to get out of that first team for a while. I was looking at if anybody could replace him, but I don't think anybody could really. And um, at the end of the day, those are my five. Um, they're basically the best players, I mean, from UNT, West Kentucky, La Tech, and then Jav Javon Jackson having a crazy year, Bryson Williams just being a really good player. Okay, so I actually took Bryson Williams out okay. and put Osaga in his, in his place. Wow, okay. Because, man, it's not like... I don't, it, I, I don't hate that. Like, he had... I, I, unfortunately, I'm stupid and pulled up, every like, full year stats. Just go through full stat, year so, stats. So, my full it. year stats, this is not conference stats. Uh -huh. He had 12.8 uh, points per game, 8.1 rebounds, and then blocks, I think it was like... I'm scrolling through. Sorry, High he had uh, 3.6. Yeah, those are all almost exactly like his conference stats. So. Yeah, so I mean, with with his what role he had on that team, which was not to score, and still put up 12.8 points per game, and then also the blocks and be such a big defensive presence, threw him on the first team. Yeah, uh, and they were in the top pod. They were the five C. He shot 63 percent from the field in conference play, um, and they were very aggressive defense. So a lot of their defense funneled their ball handler to him and he was crucial of that. I mean if they didn't have him in the middle they would have they would not have been the five they seed. They might have been the ten seed instead yeah. of the five seed. Like and, that's and, how pivotal and, it was. and and it helped also because UTEP is an eleven seed. Yes. Which is why I kind of, you know you can have empty stats. I, I mean I've not watched UTEP's games, so I can't really say Besides that. The, the North Texas one. Mm -hmm. So that that's why I took him out. Okay. Second team all conference. This is from we're gonna do the conference you say one first. Alright, this is gonna be the order. Conference you say to me to Colin. They have Osasamwin Osagai, Devon Andrews, also from FIU, Tavion Kinsey from Marshall, Umoja Gibson, and Keaton Wallace from UTSA. That was their five. My five was Tavion Kinsey. I really like Tavion Kinsey. I'll say that. He was the one I think he was my, he's basically like my first, my top second team guy. Interesting. Okay. Tavion Kinsey, 16.1 points per game. Then I had Keaton Wallace. 20 points per game, 37 minutes per game, um, and still 36% from three, which is impressive. Um, Moja Gibson, 14.6 points per game, 37% uh, from three, 83% from the line, 29 steals. These are all conference stats, like I said. Jameer Young from Charlotte, the freshman of the year, we went through his stats. And Jared Savage from Western Kentucky on my second team. Um, that was that last spot was really tough for me, but I was basically between him and another Western Kentucky player for that spot. So... Jared Savage at 12 and 12.8 points per game, 42% from three, 28 steals, 22 blocks. So that those are my five. Kenzie, Wallace, Young, Gibson, Savage. Okay, so I'll go through stats afterwards because mine's different. Go ahead. Uh, so Mo, obviously, like you said, 14.8 points per game, three-point sniper. Carson Williams, uh, Bryson Williams, because I'm not throwing on the third team. Mm -hmm. yeah. <laughs> Keaton Wallace and Devon Andrews. Tavion Kinsley, Kinsey is not in my second team. Okay. Um, so Carson Williams, I also did, I tried to do this again. This isn't conference stats because I was stupid, mm -hmm. but I also went off of wind shares and, okay. uh, PER. Yeah. So that was one of the reasons, but again, it's about the same as conference. Yeah. So, uh, Carson Williams, uh, he had, I will say Carson Williams and Jared Savage were the two I was debating for. I was flip flipping them yeah. between second and third team. So, I could not decide. Yeah, so Carson Williams, 14 points, 6.6 .6 rebounds, uh, almost two assists, and he was their center, basically. Yeah. So, yeah, good. And then uh, who else did I have was different than yours? Uh, I'm trying to think. Oh, Devon Andrews. Devon Andrews, yeah. So Devon Andrews, uh, best player in FIU? Best, definitely the best offensive player. Definitely, yeah, definitely the best offensive player. 
main ball handler, averaged 15.4 points, 4.7 rebounds, and two assists. Uh, we saw what FIU was with that when he's not good. And yeah. North Texas completely obliterated them. So Yeah, yeah. North Texas shut him down both times. So that might have skewed my perception of Devon Andrews. Yeah. Like he's he's been really good in conference play. I think he the the numbers are similar in conference play. But uh yeah, fourteen point seven points in conference play. But like the both the times I saw him and I did see him in other games. I remember watching them the first game of the season or whenever they played UTEP early on, I watched that. Um Maybe I think my perception of him is just a little lower than than most people's. That for sure, and my, maybe the, and that's probably my fault more than anything else. Like if I watched every single FIU game, I'm sure I'd have a different perspective. Yeah, on it. but I've only watched four probably. Yeah. So those are our second teams. Let's go to the third team. Here we go, Jameer. This is from Conference USA. Yep. Jameer Young, Jordan Shepard, both from Charlotte, Jared West from Marshall, Carson Williams, and Jared Savage, both from West Kentucky. That surprised me that they didn't put one of those guys on the second team. I'll say that. The Western Kentucky guys. I think it was more surprising that they had so many like, Western guys in their first, second, and third teams. What do you mean? Like, okay, so North Texas has Javion and Mo. Mm-hmm. They're the one seed. Yeah. Western, two seed, has three guys. Oh, you mean like on total? Uh-huh. Right. So it's... Then Louisiana Tech had only had Bracey. Right. So, I mean, it's, it's just kind of, I don't know. It just seemed odd to me. It does seem odd. <laughs> okay, so here is my third team. Oh, gosh, it's on my computer. I forget. My third team is Carson Williams from Western Kentucky, James Reese from North Texas, Osasamwin Osagai, Jared West from Marshall, and Jordan Shepard from Charlotte. James Reese. Yes. That's James an interesting Reese. third teamer. I'm putting James Reese on third team, and I will fight anybody who doesn't think that he is on the third team. Defense is why, then, I'm guessing. A majority of the reason, yes. But, okay, let me go through the stats. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you defend gave, yourself. You already gave Carson Williams stats. Great player. Uh, 15 points a game in conference, seven rebounds. Their center. He played, like, 36 minutes a game, which is crazy. Yeah. Like, high 30s. Like, well, everybody on that Yeah, he had to replace Bassey. Yeah. So so then we go with Sasamon Osaga. You already said all his stats. Great player. Uh, Jared West from Marshall. If y'all remember him, he's been on this. This is, like, his third or fourth year on that team. I mean, he averages 14 points per game, 41% from the field, 37% from three. Great defender as well. I think he has two steals a game. He was on the all-defensive team from Conference USA, which, again, we're not going to do the all-defensive team or freshman team. But Jared West, um, a very, very good player. You could argue probably the heartbeat of that Marshall team, honestly. And Mm -hmm. then Jordan Shepard from Charlotte, 13 points per game, 4.5 assists on 44% shooting. Um, Their leading scorer and... I don't actually no. I'm sorry. Jameer Young's their leading scorer, but he's right behind them. So hold on one second. Oh, there you go. Um. So yeah. So that's who I have. I have Jordan Shepard on my third team. Why James Reese? Oh yes, James Reese. That's what I was. <laughs> I was like, I was like, uh, <laughs> um, you didn't explain. Okay, so James Reese, nine point nine points per game, forty nine percent field goal percentage, and thirty nine point five three point percentage. So, not only is he, in my opinion, a top five defender in Conference USA, he's on the best team in Conference USA. I would say he was the third best player on the best team in Conference USA. Even at times, maybe the second best player. You could put him over Mo occasionally, I think, just because of his defensive importance. He was the reason that Jer- that Devon Andrews had bad games. He was the reason that a lot of players had bad games against North Texas. And I just don't think you could make North Texas the one seed. I mean, I don't think North Texas can be the one seed and James Reese not be in the top 15 players in Conference USA. 
I just don't. I just think he's too valuable to the team. I think he's too um, talented of a player. But and his value three point shooting and he found his three point shooting stroke. He shot forty percent from three. I think I'm gonna put James Reese up there above Devon Andrews, above Amori Archibald, above Malik, Malik Curry from Old Dominion. A bunch of a lot of good candidates for thirteen, but um, I'm putting James Reese on there. Make very good points. I unfortunately do not have him on my thirteen. Go ahead, go ahead. Okay, so I have my thirteen is Jameer Young, Jared Savage, Tavion Kinsey, Jared West, and C.J. Jones. Okay, yeah, I had him written down too. So C.J. Jones put up a lot of points for middle. Yeah, so C.J. Jones. Let me get. I had him. At, I think it was sixteen point five points in conference play. Yeah. Okay. So for the season, sixteen point two points, yeah. uh, two point eight rebounds, and then one assist. But he kind of just carried middle, mm-hmm. so that was my reason. And then, uh, do I have anyone else on there that was different? Tavion Kinsey and uh, Jared West. I had them in the third team because Marshall wasn't great this year, mm-hmm. and I just felt like it was hard to kind of separate. Yeah, their, I don't have a problem talent. with them. On and then Jared Savage, he was too good not to put on the team. And then Jameer Young was probably, if not the best player, the second best player on that Charlotte team. Yep. It's all good. My honorable mentions were Devon Andrews and Maury Archibald. Maury Archibald was interesting to leave off because we perceive him like that's kind of the opposite of Devon Andrews. Like I perceive a Maury Archibald as a player that like is really great. Yeah, really good. And his stats are kind of like average, right? He averaged ten point eight points per game in conference play. You could you could argue that he's almost the James Reese of that team. Yeah, yeah, in a sense. I mean, he shot like 40% for three almost. He was really good. Uh, Caleb Ledeau I had also as my honorable mention. Daryl Edwards, Malik Curry, and CJ Jones. So those are all my honorable mention. Malik Curry averaged 16.6 points per game for Old Dominion. Very good. So those are our teams. Wow. That was tiring. (laughs) Long-winded. That was long-winded. Okay. Tweet at us any discrepancies you have. I just shut us down, please. Yeah, shut us down. I had Lado as sixth man of the year over Thomas Bell, but I had James Reese on my third team, and Colin did not. So we're even. We're even. <laughs> we're even, Colin. There you go. It is interesting that only Mo and Javion made the first and second team. It's just and and then Reese didn't make a defensive team, right? Yeah, Reese was not on the defensive team. Let me read the defensive team off. If I can find it, I don't know if I can find it. Yes, I can. Malik Martin from Charlotte, Os- Osagai, Derek Jean from La Tech, Jared West. These are six players too? Damn. Jared West, Aaron Carver, and Jared Savage. I don't have a problem with Jared Savage, Carter, West, Osagai. I think Reese could be up there with Derek Jean and Malik Martin easily. So, yeah, that's that's all I got. I think Jordan Rawls as freshman of the year has an interesting case too, but he's but I'll put I'll take Jameer Young over him. Um all right, anything else that stood out to us when putting... Did anything stand out to you while putting together these teams? Like, wow, Conference USA is like... I think it's... Has a little more talent this year than last year? I don't know if it has more talent than this year than last year, but it's interesting just how a single player can kind of make or break a team. Like, Javion, for example. Like, you take Javion off this team, they probably aren't... They're probably like a 10 seed. Yeah. Like I mean, I mean realistically. So it's 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 interesting because like the the teams that have like that one guy on there, how much worse they are without that single guy. Mm-hmm. So I think that was probably the most interesting thing for me going through it because I you know you look at teams like like outside of Marshall and WKU, and I guess maybe Charlotte. Like it's who else do they have mm-hmm. to to lead a team? I think that it showed me that the only thing I think depth 
depth might be more important than having like a star in Conference USA. Yeah. Which might which sounds kind of weird because obviously like all the best teams have stars, Hollingsworth, Bracey, Hamlet, but you could argue that Javon Jackson is just a, like might is probably the best player like just pure like player on all an offensive player obviously mm-hmm. offensive player in Conference USA, and you could also argue Bryson Williams from UTEP is second, like that's how good those two old guys are. They are elite players. Yeah, but. They just have nothing else around, around them, them, really. Right. I mean, that, and that's just, what I'm saying. You know, you take away those guys. What are, what are those teams? Did you have Keaton Wallace on your second team or third team? I had him on my second team. Okay, okay. I, I forgot. I looked at it. And I didn't remember you saying it. But yeah, I mean, then you look at like a Charlotte team who has a lot of depth. That's that's very solid. FIU is a pretty deep team as well. Marshall is a pretty deep team as well. But none of those teams have the guy. Yeah, a guy on there, and that apparently has carried them over UTSA like to a point where I didn't expect it to be. I didn't expect UTSA to fall off the cliff the way they have, and that's for their own reasons, but it's also because their depth is just non-existent. Right. So I think that was that was one thing that stood out to me um, while doing this. Now, you are you ready to get into the tournament? Oh, we're going to do questions first? Oh, questions. That's right. That's right. That's right. Let's do questions first. I DM them to myself. Okay, here we go. Let's start off with Jonathan Dennis here. What impact will the court layout slash sight sidelines have on shooting? I don't. I saw that question. I don't really know what that means. You were on the court today. Colin. Uh, yeah, I mean, what, I saw it. Think? It's no different than last year. Mm-hmm. It's the same exact court layout. Um, the billboards are above the, or the billboards, the scoreboards are above the court now instead of sitting next oh to the court. that's good so that's different but outside of that's the same court i mean i, I don't i'm not any, i've never played organized basketball at a no, high that's level. why i'm here Colin. so yeah don't worry. so i was waiting don't for you to come Colin. i don't know why you asked me that's why i'm here but it's the same thing i bring the professional insight i that understand this podcast needs. You're, you're like you're like who, who are you if you had to compare yourself to an nba broadcaster that used to be a player are you like <laughs> chris weber <laughs> no no i'm not chris weber you know who does that a lot is Dwayne Wade. Now that he's a broadcaster, he always not, talks I've about not, his experience. I've not seen enough of on the Dwayne. on the table, like when on TNT. Yeah, so it's like oh, I remember when I played with Shaq, and you had to get Shaq the ball. But anyways, see, but you don't. Do that's that. what Wade does. No, I don't do that. You know, I try to humble myself sometimes, Colin. I'm gonna. I'm just gonna because because I don't really know. You're just gonna be Jeff Van Gundy. All right, I'm Jeff Van Gundy. So <laughs> former former. But anyways, coach. so the when it comes to shooting in a different environment, I feel like. These guys have shot in so many different settings that it's not going to catch them off guard. The only place where I know, not from personal experience, just from hearing it, that shooting is more difficult is when you play on those, in those, like, not football, sta- yeah, but like football-esque stadiums that are, like, huge where, like, the the court is just, like, there and there's, like, spa- tons of space around it. Like, usually on a basketball court, like, at the pit, there's the stanchion and the hoop, and then, like, not too far back is a crowd, Mm-hmm. Right, so your depth perception is like you know where the court, the backboard is. You that know makes where, sense, right? But when you play in those big, big, big stadiums, then your depth perception is different. Like you don't. So have... I guess that problem could kind of be at the start. Kind of, but I, I mean, mean... Okay, to, to give you more context, the band's no longer behind the basket like it was last year. Yeah, they're in the stands, right? They're in the stands, mm-hmm. and then cheerleaders will still be there. They're gonna have VIP seating there, though. On the, I would not want to sit behind the stanchion. That is awful. Behind seating. the what? 
Like behind the the basket? No, no, no. It's like so. It's like at the pit where you mm-hmm. have the seats at, ah. at, on either end, right on it. Mm-hmm. So there's like ten seats. Where's the, does the media still sit? Yeah, next to it. Oh, yeah, good. That's all I care about. Yeah. Okay, but yeah, no, I think it's fine. Uh, like I said, I don't think the shooting will be impacted that much. Last year they shot really well in the FIU game last year, so I think they'll I think they'll be fine. I'm not too worried about that. Thank you for your question, Jonathan. We have two questions from Preston Hodge. First one say, asking. Shooting concern after the last two games plus layoff. Any adjustments you think will happen in tournament? Uh, and will the rotation get any shorter? Okay, so in playoff basketball, the rotation is always going to get shorter. Mm-hmm. Uh, Javion, if a game's close, expect him to play like 35 minutes. <laughs> plus, if, yeah. Yeah, I mean, if, if it's like super close. Um, shooting, I think we talked about that kind of, our shooting concerns. But I don't really know if they could change a whole lot because... The looks are there. Yeah. It's it's not like the guys aren't getting looks. I mean, like we said, DJ went one of six. So keep doing your same thing and just hope you knock him down. Yeah. No, I don't think there's any adjustment for the shooting. I think they'll either make shots or miss shots. And they're the best shoot three-point shooting team in the conference. So they should be able to make shots. But we know that's not how it goes. Always. One interesting <laughs> thing. Do you see them taking Zach out to stop bleeding defensively if it happens? So like in in other games, you know, I've always been like, put in Dang and Thomas and take Zach out at certain points of games. Do you think they do that faster, whereas before they kind of haven't kind of worked that out? Do you think they kind of take him out quicker? I think so. I think that there's definitely going to be a, not only a shorter leash, Mm -hmm. but there will be, adjustments will come a lot faster. Mm -hmm. That's that's going to be obvious. I think that you'll see that they're going to go with their normal rotations. You'll get the DJ Thomas. coming in at the 17 minute mark or whenever it is and but then after that then it's freelancing then it's all hands on deck then you just got to go then it's like all right well this isn't working now we got to have rose come in dj come in jv on play 40 minutes it's just going to be go snap decisions and this is where it gets really tough for a coach because you've prepared for so much and you can prepare your guys for this, these moments but if something goes wrong then you have to really make your adjustments. And that's what I'm interested to see. Uh, So yes, the rotation will get shorter. However, they did play DJ and Rose 15 minutes each against Charlotte. But I think that was more so just to be like, all right, y'all are comfortable. Show us what you're ready. Yeah. When you're ready, we're going to need you to be there. I still don't think they both, they either one plays over eight minutes. Barring foul trouble. DJ, if he hits shots, he'll play a little more than that, but you need to, he needs to hit like two threes. Yeah. He would have to hit a couple shots to leave him in. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I think that's it. Are you concerned about the layoff at all? No, I think at this point it's fine. Yeah, I think they're ready. I think they're going. Now, he, his second question, Preston's second question is, um, do y'all like the tournament being at the star, not specifically as UNT fans, but as an overall venue for basketball? I think it's a good venue. I mean, I think it's better than it being at a, like at UAB, I'm pretty sure it was when it was in Alabama, it was, it was at, at UAB, UAB yeah. and I think that it should not be like that. Obviously, the stars really close to UNT, mm-hmm. but I think it's a good venue. I mean, there's not a whole lot you can complain about outside of the maybe the the football stands that they still use. I mm-hmm. wish it was a more temporary seating to where it looked more like a basketball kind of environment. Yeah, you wish it was more. Yeah, the the seats that they put on the opposite side are still kind of janky. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, no, I I like it. I I don't have a problem with it at all. I don't have very like super high expectations for it, I guess, because it's at the star. It's not at, like, an NBA court. Right, where yeah, some... it's not like American Airlines Center. <laughs> yeah, so 
uh but i don't have a problem with it uh i'm glad it's at the start like i mean you said not as fans but i mean again as a basketball fan i like being able to watch basketball yeah here. it'd be interesting if they did it like because i mean you don't know this area well but like in garland i'm pretty sure i shot in high school i mm-hmm. shot at a basketball actual arena mm-hmm. and it wasn't professional but it'd be interesting if they did something like that where they got like a smaller arena that was for like high school basketball games i mean it was a good arena still yeah so it'd be interesting if they did that to where it was more of a natural setting. I guess there's only one court, so that could be the issue. Yeah, and they would have to do what they used to do. Or I think they used to split up. Well, the thing is, it used to be the girls' basketball used to be a week before the boys, right? That's how that's mm. how it used to be to my to my recollection. Um, and now it's the same time. Yeah. So that's why they're doing it this way. I uh, I don't know how they do that with other conferences. I'm pretty sure they just have them in two separate locations, the girls and the boys tournaments. I'm not 100% sure. I don't know. But if you only had one court, you'd have to obviously only have the boys play or only the girls play. So, um, But yeah, I don't have a problem with it. I like it. No no complaints from me. Uh, NTSN. Oh, thank you for your question, Preston. NTSN asked uh, a series of questions, some of which we've already answered. How do y'all like the setup? Was his first one. We already talked about that. We like it. Who is your sleeper team in the tournament? Kind of leading us into... Actually, save that. We'll yeah, I think we should talk use about that, that we... and then transition into our tournament talk. Okay. This question three is also about the tournament. We can answer that then. Um, do you think the shooting wolves will come to a halt? So this is good. This gets your opinion out there. Do you think it will end? You no. think? Okay, so you think they'll struggle? I think it will. They'll hit shots when they need to hit shots, but I don't think it's going to. So be... if they take 20, 21 threes, how many do they make? Probably five or six, like they did against Western. Okay. I think until they, get, like it'll it'll be like that until they have the one game. Mm-hmm. But I don't think that first game is going to happen in the, in the after they come back from the bye. I think they're going to struggle shooting still in that first game in specifically. First game. Yeah. Okay. After that, we'll just we'll see. Yeah. Okay. Um. All right. Then his last question also leads us into the tournament play. Actually, I don't know. Who would you rather play, FAU or ODU? That was his last question. FAU. Why? Is there any specific reason? North oh. Texas beat the hell out of both of them at home. Yeah, ODU is just more physical, and physicality can win you games. Mm-hmm. No, I, I that, agree. That, and that, I mean, that's the only reason. And they're reason. a little more experienced. Yeah, they don't have a... I mean, neither team has, like, a guy. Mm-hmm. So, at that point, it's just, who would, I, who would I rather see them? I'd rather have them play the softer team. Yeah, I'd rather have them play FAU as well. Also, Zach can play... Well, Zach can play against both these teams. But I think FAU especially, Zach could have a good game. All right. Uh, we'll answer your other two questions. His other two questions are the sleeper team question and then who do you think the semifinals pan out to be? So we'll answer both of those questions. Thank you for your questions, NTSN. It's time, Colin, for our bracketology. I'm for this because Bruni's breakdown me, bracketology. You told me yours was chalk pretty much. That's not true. I told you that yesterday, I you think. You told me that yesterday. two days ago. Was okay, whatever it was. I don't know, but I've I've changed. Well, that's good because I just Did you not hear my Bruni's Breakdown Bracketology segment? <laughs> Sorry. We're taking you... all the BR ver- words in the world and putting them in this Bruni's Breakdown Bracketology segment. So, Colin, do you want to go first or second? I can go first, but I... Yeah, actually, I don't know where my bracket went. It disappeared, oh so you got it. You're so unprepared, so unprepared. I had it up. You saw it. All right. Anyways... Let's start with Old Dominion FAU. Like Colin said, Old Dominion is a little more physical team. They're probably the most physical team in Conference USA, besides maybe Louisiana Tech. Very good defensively. 
offensively led by Malik Curry, 16.6 points per game. Uh, have Green and other guys who can step up and make shots. FAU is a bigger team. They have some capable guards, but I'm not I'm not sold on them being able to step up and make timely shots and make shots whenever they need to, especially against Old Dominion's defense. I think this is going to be a low-scoring game. I anticipate somewhere like 55-50, and I'm going to take Old Dominion in this one, Colin. Are we, are we going around by or like? Go ahead. Match up my match up. Okay, I've also turn. picked Old Dominion for the same exact reasons. I don't think there's a whole lot separating this team other than physicality, and Old Dominion's been there before. So because of those two things, I'm taking Old Dominion. There you go. FIU and Rice, the 5-12 matchup, 6.30 p.m. on Wednesday. Tomorrow. I will go first. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'm taking Rice. I'm, I think you took Rice too, I would assume. Yes, we both took Rice. Okay, I looked it up. Rice beat them by 14 the only time they played this year. Interesting enough, it was in Houston, to be fair, but they still beat the hell out of FIU when they first played. I think that Rice is a team that, similar to how they forced Zach off the court, they can do the same thing with Osaga, in a sense. And FIU is very ball-pressure-reliant. Pre- um, ball Rice has the guards to be able to penetrate to pass to create albeit rice is not gonna play any defense this is gonna be a 75 to 80 game at minimum but i think rice can win a shootout and i'm gonna pick them to win the shootout yeah i I definitely agree with that uh also could be bias fiu just hasn't been impressive the two times that we saw them but rice i think their problem is inexperience but they can score yes and when you can score, you always have a chance. So I picked Rice as well. Yeah, I do think if I'm mean, like you bring up, you bring up a really good point. FIU has the experience. Osaga is senior, Andrews senior, uh, Antonio Day is a sophomore, but still, they're going to be prepared. Um, and it's also in a neutral court. It is it's, on a neutral court. Um, Rice averages almost 74 points per game. FA, FIU averages 76 and a half. And if you look at it on paper, while FIU is nine to nine and the five seed. Rice is seven and eleven. Only two games worse, albeit Rice was in the third pod and not the first pod. That's crazy. Which is a completely different pod yeah. to be in. Yeah. But still, on paper, it's like that's really interesting. So it's weird how the pods make that happen, right? <laughs> um. Okay. So we both have Rice. If you're filling in at home, I had old. We both had Old Dominion, and we both had Rice. I think Conference USA will give us. Uh, like a million dollars if we get it right if we get the bracket right better (laughs) they better all right uab utsa 8 30 p.m tomorrow the 7 10 matchup you go first who you got i have utsa winning this game uab is an awful basketball team they're dysfunctional and javon jackson is going to turn on his quote-unquote playoff mode and probably average like 32 points a game in the tournament so that's my only reason utsa is is equally as awful but UAB doesn't have a Javon Jackson. This is probably the worst first round matchup. But it could be the most entertaining. Oh, it it will be the most entertaining. <laughs> like it's gonna be like the worst basketball. I cannot wait for this. It's game. gonna be the most like dysfunctional looking team against a guy that just throws up. Listen to UAB. Listen to UAB All real right. quick. Yeah. They get they turn it over more than their opponent by almost three times. <laughs> like okay, I, I worded that weirdly, but they turn it over three three times, times more, more than on like average. if they turn it over. 14 times the other team turns it over 11 times that's right. the averages basically they shoot the ball 32 percent from three they out rebound the hell out of people and 
They scored 67 points and they allow 65 points. They're 99 on this season. They're led by Tavion, or I'm sorry, Tavin Loven, sophomore, who we know is similar to Javon Jackson. You know, he's a he's a chucker, but hey. I was going to throw out a stat for you. Go ahead. Just call him a, a chucker. Javon Jackson almost averages 200, or almost has 200 more field goal attempts than the second person who is also on UTSA and Keith Wallace. Wallace. <laughs> so Javon Jackson has 676 field goal attempts. Oh my God. Second place, Keaton Wallace is 493. Oh that God. does not translate to most field goals made. Javon Jackson has hit 286, which is what, like 30%, 32%. Bryson Williams is second with 201 makes. And then Keaton Wallace has hit 194 of 493 shots. So Javon Jackson, they have chuckers. It's going to be the chuckers versus the bruisers. I don't even know if they're bruisers. I don't even know what UAB is, honestly. Just a con- conglomerate of <laughs> the weird <blob>. basketball. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's what it is. That's what UAB is. Um, I think that's a good pick, but I'm picking UAB. Interesting. I'm okay. taking UAB, and I take them for this reason. If you look at UTSA's season to this point. It's bad, and I know that. It is awful. Yeah, it's really bad. Listen to this. The last two games. They lost to Old Dominion on the road by th- 25. Oh my goodness. And then they were down big against Marshall and they come back and they only lost by five. I don't know. How did this team take WKU to I don't time? trust this team. I don't trust their defense. I'm looking at it and they did beat UAB last time they played because they're both in the second pod. So they beat UAB when they played 66 to 59. But it's. I'm assuming it's going to be a similar scoring game. It's going to be kind of a 65-63 type game. It's going to be a lower scoring game. And I think UAB is going to be right there. And I'm taking UAB. UAB also beat them the first time they met by 8, 76-68. Yeah, they're 1-1 one one on the season series. I'm taking UAB just because I think I trust them a little bit more than UTSA just because UTSA is a burning house fire. But UAB is... UAB is like when the fire hydrant just like explodes and it's just spout, spouting up. Yeah, except it's run out of water. Yes, and so then it's like, just like yeah, a hole. and it's a hole. So there you <laughs> so go. You gotta... uh, we don't know what analogies we're using here, but <laughs> yeah. we're just going. So, anyways, I had UAB. Colin had UTSA. That's gonna be a fun game. Let's get to the last one, the the nightcap game on Wednesday. Marshall and UTEP, the six versus eleven. I will say this. Marshall is playing really, really, really well. Marshall has hit has hit a uh, stride, and albeit they've lost some games. Let's see. So let me do the math here. So in their last, what is it, six games roughly? They beat UTEP by 10, beat Old Dominion by 8, lost to UAB by 8, beat FAU by 12, and beat UTSA by 5. That doesn't sound crazy, but I still trust them probably more than anybody else in this first round. And that's just me personally. I like UTEP's talent a lot. Obviously, you can't go wrong. Um, Daryl Edwards and Bryson Edwards. Wait, I get that right? Bryson Edwards? I'm sorry, Bryson Williams. I get that confused. Bryson Williams and Daryl Edwards, both averaging over 14 points per game. I think it's going to be an amazing game. Damn, I'm starting to reconsider. You can't reconsider. But, no, no, no. I'm in. going with Marshall. Tavion Kinsey is a baller. Jared West is a baller. 
it's going to be a really fun matchup. Bryson Williams, Sole Boom, and Daryl Edwards are going to match up really well, and I'm excited for it. I also picked Marshall. Uh, Marshall's been there before. They obviously won the championship two years ago. Jared mm-hmm. West was on that team. He's the leader of this team, and I think that UTEP is actually going to fall flat in this game, and Marshall will win convincingly. Okay, there we go. All right, so we have our round of eight set, our quarterfinal set. Let's go to the first one: North Texas and Old Dominion, the one versus the eight seed. This is on Thursday. Is this your? Is this your second upset? <laughs> <laughs> it's not. There's no way you can't. You can't convince me that you that you thought that you think I'd believe that you'd pick I, Old Dominion. I am <laughs> picking North Texas. <laughs> Damn it! Imagine okay. if you got sat up here and was like old Dominion, <laughs> old Dominion, <laughs> like like seriously, I picked old Dominion. Yeah. No, 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 I'm picking North Texas. I again, we are kind of skewed in this because we saw North Texas beat the hell out of Old Dominion and FAU, so I think we were gonna pick North Texas regardless. But I do think North Texas is just too good of an offensive team for Old Dominion to match them. Uh, their their style allows Zach to play and be effective, and. I just think North Texas is going to come out. They're going to be rested. They're going to be able to play well. And Old Dominion is going to be coming out of a pretty tough game, coming out of the 8-9 game. So um, I expect a lot of people to be there for North Texas because everyone knows that they play on Thursday. They don't know if they're playing Friday or Saturday. I expect this to be the biggest turnout for North Texas except for the championship game. So there you go. Agreed. I don't need to explain myself. North Texas wins. All right. (laughs) Charlotte and Rice, the 4-12 matchup here go ahead Colin so I picked Charlotte I wanted I wanted to believe in the Rice Cinderella story mm-hmm. for the Conference USA tournament but mm-hmm. I just couldn't do it Charlotte's been too good as of late um, it also could be recency bias considering we just saw them play North Texas mm-hmm. um, but yeah uh, Charlotte has older players and they also have Jameer Young yeah so I mean they just have more talent I think that the one thing that separates Charlotte from Rice, because on a, on a paper their offense is pretty similar, right? They got a lot. Right. Of, they have shooters, they have creators, but their defense is just not the same. Way better. Charlotte's defense yeah. is another world better than Rice's defense. Rice probably has the worst defense in this entire tournament, except for UTSA. <laughs> so <laughs> so bad. <laughs> so there you go. That's why I think Charlotte is just going to lock down and probably win this probably by 15, 20 points. Yeah, I think it's going to be convincing. And that was such a really good matchup there. But anyways, um, Western Kentucky UAB, the two seven matchup here. Who or I go first your this time. your two seven my turn. matchup? Oh yes, you have the two ten matchup. I will go first. I have Western Kentucky beating UAB. I think it's gonna be kind of convincing as well. I think Western Kentucky just plays a very. I've, I've called them experimental before, but I feel like they just match up really well with UAB. I feel like they just like know what they need to do, and they're experienced. And UAB is just like awful. What the hell do we need to do to win this game? <laughs> what the hell do we need to play basketball? Yeah, <laughs> it's 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 take a step. Below Someone from UAB is listening to this podcast and just gonna rip you. I really Twitter. hope that Charmillionaire is listening there to this, you go. so we can just so he can agree with us because he does. <laughs> Shout out Charmillionaire, great account on Twitter. Uh, but yeah, I'm taking West Kentucky pretty handily. UAB to get a 70 with how bad I thought they were gonna be after Zach Bryant left is pretty impressive. And if they win a tournament game, can't complain too much there. So, anyways, go ahead. Okay, my two ten matchup: Western against UTSA. Do it. Do it. Yes, I did do it. Oh, no way. <laughs> I did do it. Javon Jackson no is going to upset way. Western Kentucky. Ah. No way. I did, I did it. Oh I think that uh, Western is going to come into this game. I'm sorry. <laughs> I think Western's going to come into this game expecting to win it, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to come back. 
It's going to come back and bite them. They did go to overtime when they played last time. They did. And you could argue UTSA should have won that game. If Tavion Hollingsworth doesn't score 43 points and hit some ridiculous, like that last like 30 seconds was ridiculous of part of the game, UTSA might not even be a 10 seed. So I'm going to go UTSA. Javon Jackson's going to throw a party. I think you're thinking of that. You thought of that uh, Louisiana Tech game where you dropped 43. Oh, right? was it? Was that? Was that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because that, that went to overtime too. Oh, here's something about Western Kentucky though. I do. I do want to note they've been in a lot of close games. Listen to this. So I'm gonna go in reverse order. This is their most recent to least recent. They beat FIU by six. Lost to North Texas in overtime. Beat Louisiana Tech in overtime. Lost to Charlotte by two. Beat UTSA in overtime. Uh, beat UTEP by five. Beat Southern Miss by three. Beat Louisiana Tech by eleven. Lost to FIU by five, lost to FAU by four, and beat Marshall by seven, and beat Marshall by four. That's incredible. UTSA is winning this game. Man, that would be something. That would be something. That would be something. (laughs) Yes. Wow. Okay, Colin. You have officially started this Bruni's Breakdown Bracketology. (laughs) Let's do it. I'm ready for the chaos to continue. Marshall, Louisiana Tech, 3-6 matchup. I'm taking Marshall. (laughs) Here we go. Let's get this through. I knew you were going to do that. Throw the pin. (laughs) I knew you were going to do that when you you talked about how good Marshall was. (laughs) Let's do it. Marshall is beating Louisiana Tech. Um, Experience. Jared West is going to guard Daquan Bracey. He's going to guard him very well. I think... Throw out everything else I know about this entire game. I just know Marshall has Tavion Kinsey, Jared West. They might have the best player in this game, Tavion Kinsey, if Jared West does a good job against Taquan Bracey. That is worth noting. If they need a bucket, I think they're going to have a good chance of getting it. Uh, they went to overtime last time they played. Wait, was that in? Oh, was that Marshall? Doesn't matter. Marshall is going to be prepared. Marshall is going to be. Marshall is going to score the ball, and Marshall has good individual defenders. I think that they beat Louisiana Tech. So there you go. That's, that's keep it going. imagine if it was UTSA against Marshall. That would be something. Oh god. <laughs> what a game that would be. All right, Colin, I unfortunately six. did not uh pick Marshall. Ooh. Pick La Tech. La Tech is the more sound team in this in this game. I don't think it's gonna be a blowout though by any means. I think it'll be very close. Um, but it'll come down to Daquan Bracey at the end of the day hitting big shots. All right, so my final four is North Texas, Charlotte, West Kentucky, and Marshall. And your final four is North Texas, Charlotte, UTSA, and, mm-hmm. and Louisiana Tech. Mm-hmm. Okay. North Texas and Charlotte, boys and girls, 1 o'clock on Friday. What the a, early game. What an awful time for a game. The early games. I'm taking North Texas. I'm taking North Texas to win this game, even though I am pretty scared. On a scale scale of 1 to 10, I'm a solid 7. Yeah. I think Charlotte... Panic meter? Charlotte very well could come out and do what they do. And they could stay in the game for a long time, can make it ugly when they have to, can hit threes. (laughs) It's going to be tough. Yeah. But I I think North Texas is just... North Texas is the better team. Yes. And at the end of the day, they have experience. They have the better coach. They have the better team. They should shoot well. Second game there. Another good crowd. Even though it's Friday afternoon, I don't know what the crowd will be, but regardless. Um, that's the that's the one I'm I'm excited for. I think North Texas gets it done. I too pick North Texas. 
Um, I think it Homer. would be... Wow. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, go ahead. <laughs> you threw me off. Uh, I picked North Texas. Uh, I think if this game comes comes out to be close, like you said, you, better team on paper, uh, better coach. I also think Javon Hamlet becomes another leader, an, another t- like another level of a he leader. He can take it up a notch? Oh, leadership-wise. Like, mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, whether or not that's... Late-game situations, Javion goes to another level offensively and as a leader. So I think that ends up separating them from Charlotte. I do think also they can... They should be able to rebound well against Charlotte, I think, on paper. Thomas Bell, Dang, and Zach. I think I don't know how much Zach will get to play, but I think that they should be able to rebound well against Charlotte. Here we go. Second final four matchup. I'll let you go first here. UTSA, Louisiana Tech. Unfortunately, the Cinderella story ends. Wow. And Louisiana Tech destroys UTSA <laughs> and moves on to the semifinals <laughs> or the finals. Yeah, there's no <laughs> chance that... I'm just imagining the slaughter that would happen if La Tech played UTSA in the tournament. Like, La Tech would come out and be like, this is who we're playing. And then Javon Jackson would be like, 7 of 28 from the field. (laughs) (laughs) Like, that's what's happening in that game. Oh, my God. Okay. Well, I think my game's going to be a lot closer, Western Kentucky Marshall, um, mostly because they played really close games every time they play. And I'm thinking Western Kentucky. I think Western Kentucky... Has too much firepower. I think that they have the experience over Marshall. They're the most experienced team in this tournament, um, really. And I think that if it's a close game, I favor West Kentucky. They've shown me throughout the season that they are able to pull out close games or at least make games. They make stuff happen. Yeah, they make stuff happen. There you go, Colin. That's that's their, that should be their slogan right there. <laughs> make make stuff happen. Make making stuff happen. Making that's stuff what West Kentucky happen. does. And then you have the you have their mascot like. Thumbs up. Yeah, exactly. There you go. <laughs> UAB has a slim, similar slogan, but it's it's, it's not more like try as cool. to make stuff happen. Try stuff. Try stuff. That's the lowest slogan. Try stuff. All right. So, Colin, you have North Texas, Louisiana Tech. I have North Texas, West Kentucky. You want me to go first? You can go first, Colin. North Texas wins this conference USA championship and then becomes a 13th seed and plays Michigan State and loses in the first round of the NCAA tournament. Why do you have to go? Why do you have? I didn't ask you for your NCAA tournament prediction, Colin. I, just, I didn't ask for that. It's not that far away. I didn't ask that. for it. I'm sorry. Okay, just my we're, prediction. We're trying to we're trying to be positive on this podcast. I am positive they won the conference USA championship. Uh, yeah. Uh, I think that on a neutral, well, it, at this point, if they make the championship, we should assume that it'll be a home. It should be seventy thirty North Texas. Yes, for sure, and it should be loud for North Texas. Um, North Texas should win this game. Just based off of that, these teams are very close. We've seen them, obviously. La Tech played here, and North Texas played there. Both came down to the buzzer. North Texas, though, pulls this one out. All right, North Texas, Western Kentucky for me. You picked Western, didn't you? I did. What a shame. Not. Oh, okay. I did not. <laughs> I picked North Texas. Um, Call us homers. I don't care. North Texas is the one seed. North Texas is the best and most consistent team in this tournament. I think North Texas has the best chance at winning this tournament. And if they get by Charlotte, I think they'll be playing well enough to where I think they could beat West Kentucky. I think I think this North Texas is as sound as last year's Old Dominion team. Yes. I'm cool with that. Like, and I know I've said this before on this podcast that there wasn't a team in conference you say that was as good as that Old Dominion team, but I think North Texas is just as good as that Old Dominion team last year. I yeah. think that they have the experience. I think they have the leadership. I think they have the elite players. And they and, have the depth. And they don't have holes. 
That yeah, they, OD, old, ODU team had no holes anywhere on it. Whereas the year before, you had Western Kentucky, I believe, was the one seed. No, it was middle. But middle. okay. Yeah. As the tournament went on, obviously, because they lost in their yes. first game, you had Western Kentucky as the favorites to win. Yes. They didn't have defense still, and that was their issue, and mm-hmm. they ended lost up losing to Marshall. to Marshall. So I think that this is. North Texas, this team, North Texas team is on par with that Old Dominion team in terms of how sound they are as a team. I agree. I agree. I think that they're just going to be very consistent. I think Western Kentucky is going to come out. I do think Western Kentucky would play well in this matchup, but I honestly, I think North Texas could pull away. Yeah, I really, and, and I really it, could think that. And it could, it could, this could be where we start to see Western's fatigue uh-huh. because they're not, we're not waiting four days in between games. No, I Western, mean, this, Western Kentucky also, we know not only did they play Saturday, but they also play, they will have played, so they will have played Saturday, Thursday, Friday, Saturday. And in all four, so that's four games in a week, obviously. And in all those games, they don't have a bench. They, their, their guys play 35, 36 minutes a game. Right. And you could say, okay, whatever, they're used to it. But on a Saturday, and I don't even know when the championship is, but I assume it's Saturday afternoon. Saturday, Saturday at 7.30. Oh, okay. Saturday, Saturday night even. Um... I think that North Texas depth, I think, comes to play. I think we see a DJ or Rose three or two. If they hit a three or two, imagine if Rose hits if two Rose threes. hits a three, I'm no, standing up. No, if Rose up. hits two two threes, if he hits one three, I'm standing up. You get him. You give him the MVP. Kick me off of press row. I don't care. I'm standing up. <laughs> you can just sit. I'm not even clapping. I'm just. I'm just standing up. Just standing up. I'm just like, like you're gonna just do this. Just hold up no, the three. Do the mellow <laughs> three the to the head. Or like or the. <laughs> yes. Yes. All right. But yeah, no, I'm taking North Texas. In a championship game setting, I would be more scared of Louisiana Tech than West Kentucky, I think. Completely agreed. Again, this all comes back to the holes in these teams. And Western at this point, fatigue would set in. They obviously had to come back a lot of games. They had mm-hmm. to come back against North Texas down the stretch there. And they just kind of make stuff happen to win games. And yeah. it's worked thus far, but it's not always going to work. Yep. All right. That was our bracket. Where's my book? All right. Whew. Predictions done. Questions done. Superlatives done. Last things we need to talk about, Colin. What will it take for North Texas to win this tournament? JV on Hamlet. That's it. Now, does he have to average 20 points a game? He just needs to be consistent. Like, he needs, to, he needs to not defer. He needs to be like, okay. Like, how he is in the like the last half of the second half every game. That's how he needs to play the whole game. He needs to force help a lot. Yeah, he needs to be like, okay, I'm winning this game for this team. Yeah. Uh, I'm- which which I can see it happening because he does come up clutch in so many moments. Is there any other X factor that sticks out to you? Honestly, DJ. DJ, like you said, Rose hitting threes. Three-point shooting, I'll say, as a whole. Yeah. If Reese starts hitting threes, if Reese hits like five threes in a game, like obviously that's big. Mo, we know what we're gonna get from Mo, but if he shoots too inefficiently, it's gonna concern me. No, that that for sure. Do you do you think Mo doesn't go to the hoop as much during the tournament? Maybe. I mean, he picks his spots already. Right, he picks his but, spots, but he's not converting. Yeah. Yeah, I I could see that. I could see him being a little more uh, spacious. Does that hurt them? It could. It depends. I will say this segues me right into my my X factor. How what I think it'll take for them to win the tournament. I think it's going to come down to the play of their forwards. I think it's going to come down to Dang Thomas and Zach. If those three lay eggs 
on bo- on either end of the court. They have to be good defensively and they have to be good offensively. Dang has to score points. I'm not saying a lot, but six, eight points. Zach has to score six, eight points. Thomas has to score six, eight points. You probably need 20 points out of that group mm-hmm. per game. And I don't know exactly what they average per game, but I know Zach is around six points something as well. But um, and that's not asking for too much. I don't think. I think they all. I think they need to average twenty points a game total. Whether that's Zach post up, whether that's Dang face up uh, attacking the hoop, whether that's uh, Thomas uh, putbacks, lobs, dirty work, those three have to be good, mm-hmm. or at least two out of those three have to be good. Like you have to get, you have to put teams in mismatches in the paint, and those three guys are the ones who do that. We know we're gonna get from James Reese on both ends. We know we're gonna get from Mo, obviously, unless he misses shots. And we know we're gonna get from Javion, but I think that the front court is it's gonna decide a lot. Especially in these tougher matchups like Rice, like potentially West Kentucky. You say Rice? I'm sorry, I'm sorry, like uh <laughs> Charlotte. Charlotte or Rice, and even I mean either one I of mean those. Rice, yeah, Rice is the problem, but they're not as talented. No, for sure. But Charlotte or Rice, if you or I mean obviously FIU too, but whoever you play in the second game, because I think the front court will be finding its old dominion. But whoever you play in the semifinals and the finals, the front court's gonna have to play really well. Mm-hmm. And that is the biggest and that's one of the biggest differences between this year's team from last year's team. Last year's team, it was like Zach, Mike Miller. Like Mike Miller was really good, don't get me wrong, but he's six, not three, six, six, eight. six four. Yeah. Six three, six four. Then off the bench you bring in Tope. I I don't know. That's the difference. This year you have Tengu. This year you have Thomas Bell. This year you have a junior's accent. I think I think this year too, this team doesn't have an excuse to lose. Oh, there's no excuse. Right? Like like if they went out here and lost, like even if they lost in the finals, like there's no excuse, I don't think, at this point. Because they are on paper so much more complete than every other team. And I'll tell you one thing that I've been saving throughout this regular season. They have been healthy. This entire right. season. Yeah. And I personally don't believe in Jinx, but I'm sure I'll knock on wood for y'all, whatever. But they have started the same players every single game this season. No other team in the country has done that I outside of like a couple. I don't know. But that alone, you don't have excuses. Right. You don't. You just don't. You UAB had Zach Bryan leave. Uh, West Kentucky had Charles Basti go down. You have teams that are dealing with so much more Charlotte than Charlotte has freshmen. Yeah. You have teams that are going through so much more than what North Texas is going through. This is this is you could argue like the chance. This has set like, up perfectly. Like if them. they can't do it this year, who thinks they could do it next year? It's gonna be tough. Yeah, obviously. And they'll be have to be good next year, but it has set up perfectly for this team. Yeah. You have Louisiana Tech and West Kentucky on the opposite side of the brackets. You don't have to worry about beating both of them. You have to be a good Charlotte team, but not a great Charlotte team, theoretically. It has set up for them to where they need to win this tournament. Mm-hmm. Or they need to at least have a chance down the stretch of the championship game. I don't no, I don't think that either. They have they have to win it. It will be disappointing. Unless unless the game is taken from them similar to how La Tech just kind of took the yeah. game away. There's no excuse for North Texas to lose this game. Lose any game, yeah. I guess. Okay. How could North Texas lose in an early round, the first or second round? You mean second or third round? Yeah, okay, yeah. You know what I mean? Quarterfinal or semifinal. Yeah. I would say, because my I, th- just... I think this would come down to more of a coaching thing, mm-hmm. whereas it's like if Zach's just getting eaten up and they just try to trust the 
trust what they've done all year yeah. and just have him play his minutes that he normally plays, that would be where I get concerned. If they lose in the so if they lose in the first round, it will be like coaching decision, most likely. Yes. So like Charlotte, Charlotte and Charlotte and who's I forgot who's in the first round. Uh, Old, Old Dominion. Dominion. Old Dominion, like you said, they don't have a chance to really play Zach off of the court. But like if Zach starts to become that, you know, not able to move laterally, guys are getting to the basket. He's just kind of staying out there. That will become a problem, especially if he turns it over. I'm pretty sure it was against Old Dominion where he had eight turnovers. Was it? Yeah, probably. I think, I think it, was. it was. I think it was. So if so, if they keep him in there too long, I think that will be something like that will be the downfall mm-hmm. of this because that's something that no other player can make up for. We've talked about offensive rebounding this entire season. That's going to be big. They cannot get killed on the offensive glass, mm-hmm. which again kind of comes back to Zach playing well. They need Zach to play well. Which comes back to my front court well, thing. Well, I don't think Zach needs to play well. He just can't play bad. I don't think Zach needs to play well. He just needs to exactly. I guess he Not can't play, play bad. bad. Yeah, because we both, we you and I both know that Thomas and Dang can make up for yeah Zach. It's just how much Zach plays. In he those can't situations. hurt the team. Right. Exactly. He just has to because if he hurts the team, because he's such a focal point on offense, where he gets the ball, he has to pass it to double teams, and then defensively, he's their only shot blocker. If Dang's not on the court. Personally, so after that, then I go to three-point shooting, but I think three-point shooting is going to be fine because even if they go 5 of 21, they're not going to go worse than 5 of 21. Right. This, they're too, There's no way they go and f- that's worse that's than 5 of 21. that's another thing from last year. They had shooters, but they didn't have snipers. This year, although they've struggled as of late, they st- we, we all know that these guys can shoot. Yes. So I don't think... At worst, they go 5 of 21, and you can win games going 5 of 21. They beat Western Kentucky doing it. I'll be at, it's going to be a lot tougher, but... I'm not too. I'm not three point shooting won't be the reason they lose games, barring some weird freaking event where they go two of twenty five. Then we can say, okay, yeah, that's why they lost the game. But they're not. They're not. They're not. So I'm not worried about that. Looking like the Rockets. A few yeah, years no. Ago. <laughs> yeah, they're not gonna pull the Rockets on them. Uh, I'm not worried about that. I'm not worried about their defense. Again, o- offensive rebounding, or I mean, defense rebounding for North Texas, and then I think foul trouble could be interesting as well. You don't want to get in foul trouble from anybody, really. But I think in the front court, if you or if Javion gets foul trouble, or we've seen this team without Javion have to play stretches and they've struggled. I think Javion foul trouble or even Zach foul trouble to an extent because that would force. Because I feel like the Thomas Deng lineups are really good in six seven minute stretches if they have or to, at the end of games. Yeah, and closing games obviously. But if they have to play together for thirty minutes and Zach only plays, I don't know twelve. I mean, obviously this would. The minutes don't line up, but whatever. You get what I'm saying. If Zach doesn't play a lot, that puts a lot of pressure on Thomas and Dang to be perfect. It does. In which case, I think but, the front court strength is that they have depth and they can kind of rotate in and out. Right. I think Javion getting foul trouble would be the most detrimental thing if if we're talking about foul trouble because it's like LeBron on and off whenever Javion's yeah. not on there. I mean, because you have Mo trying to run the point, and he's more of a guy, like we said, he's, he's good off the catch. And then, but if Zach gets in foul trouble... Dang has been to an NCAA tournament. He has experience. I think at this point, he. I don't think we're gonna expect we're gonna see a bad game from him. I think he knows what he has to do to prepare himself. And then Thomas, he's been great. I wrote about it, but low key, this is like an this is a pretty experienced group. So you get James Reese when he was with Buffalo. They made Wasn't a whole, Javion. They made a whole Buffalo too. Javion, no, he left the team early this season. But he was last year. He made the. At JUCO, Javion won the conference tournament and then made it to the second round in their uh, national tournament. 
So Javion's experience, Reese's experience, uh, Thomas has similar experience in JUCO. Then you have Zach, DJ, and Rose with the CBI experience. Mo is the only one really that doesn't have that plethora of experience. High school, I mean, probably. Although that doesn't matter because I know I know Grant's big on let's get championship guys. Yeah. So I mean, probably he does, but um, again, last year Mo was fine in the two games that they played. So I'm not worried about. It, but I think this is a team that I don't have to worry about whether they're going to be ready for the moment. Right. So that's good. Because at this point, we've seen that they are. Yeah, exactly. All right, Colin. Last thing I want to talk about real quickly, kind of go from, I guess, a high note to a lower note, is Larry Weiss out for the year. Does that concern you moving forward in the future with him at all? Because obviously he wasn't going to play this year anyways, but right. we know his potential. We know how high expectations. Do you know what the injury exactly was? Uh, fracture kneecap, I believe. So, Ryan. Did it happen at Charlotte? He played at Charlotte. No, it happened in practice. Ah, okay. Yeah. I mean... So, it does not concern me because he hasn't really shown us much to this point, right? I mean, you have Ruben Jones coming in, mm-hmm. Jalen, he can play. I mean, albeit we don't know if he can run a point, run the point yet, but he can play. Yeah. And then you have JV on next year, so no, it doesn't. In two years, maybe, but not next year. Yeah. Um, I do think they expected Larry. Obviously, this year they expected Larry to be more of a contributor. Um. And it'll be interesting to see how he how he recovers and if he's ready to play next year because I do think he will have a rotation spot next year if he's healthy. He, he's, I think he'll take and roses. And if he continues to improve. Roses yeah, or something wrong spot. There. Um, depending on how good Ruben Jones is when he comes in, who knows. But um, I definitely think that he will have a rotation spot because I think he's too good of a, of a player to to not. Unless, if again, they go crazy with transfers or whatever. It would, it would be odd to see him out there in an off-ball situation, though. He's fine. He's fine. We'll we'll see. Again, he'll continue to improve. I, we wish him a speedy recovery. Yeah. Um. Great guy. Everyone loves Larry. So hope Larry recovers well. And is unfortunate. Um. I don't know if he'll be at the games on the tournament, but Grant's knows? making kind of the games. <laughs> yeah. I don't know his recovery process though. I know he had. Oh surgery. yeah. He had surgery. He, he was wearing an air Sunday. cast. Yeah, but he had surgery on Sunday. Mm. So I don't know with the recovery or how how that works. Or gotcha. Anyways, shout out to Larry. Hopefully you're okay. Hopefully he's okay. I think that's all we had for today, Colin. Conference yeah. USA has been looked at every which way. Let us know who you have in your final four of Conference USA. This will be a very fun weekend at the Star in Frisco. Like we said, all the games are late night except for the semifinals, which are at one and three. So if you can make it to those games on Friday, that's great. What games are you going to? Every game starting on Thursday. Every game I can go to, I guess, because there's two games going on at the same time. Right. I'll watch all the. Uh, I'll watch the first round games tomorrow on ESPN Plus. So, um, I will watch those. I'll be tweeting about those. Let us know uh, if you have any discrepancies with our superlatives, all conference teams, our predictions, anything at all. Uh, send us yours. We filled ours out on a little bracket PDFs, edited them into our own. Maybe we'll print them out and staple them up somewhere. Can we put them on one of these walls, Colin? Sure. This is this or is this the Bernie's breakdown? Do you have a printer? Like off? I do have a printer. All right, we're gonna print it out and put it on one on this wall somewhere. We can put it over the Zaxby's Art of Dallas pole. There you go. <laughs> there you go. So yeah, we'll put these up. We'll take a picture of them and we'll tweet them. So okay. follow us on Twitter at Mingery twenty four seven. Colin C J H Mitchell and Matthew Bruni underscore. Subscribe to us on Apple and SoundCloud at Bruni's Breakdown Podcast. Leave us a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. We greatly appreciate it. Subscribe to MeanGreen247.com. 
for VIP content, we have football stuff coming up because spring ball starts the 16th. Colin, did you know that? No, you didn't. Now you do. All right. For Colin Mitchell, I'm Matthew Bruni. Y'all have a great week. We'll see y'all in Frisco.